Well, good morning, Bluffton. Good morning, Wells County. Good morning, Indiana. Good morning, world. Good morning, FCC family. This is WFCC 90.9, your place for the greatest playlist ever with your host, me, Brandon Kelly. So good to see you. Well, through a screen anyway. Uh, Do you have any songs or any sounds that bring you Back. We all probably have different things in our lives that have brought us back in those moments when we hear those songs or hear those sounds, it takes us back to other memories in the past. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them uh, are traumatic, and some of them are extremely exciting. For me, there's some sounds that take me back to a night I wish never happened. Anybody ever go to the Midway in Fort Wayne? If, if you have, just throw up a like in the, in the feed if you've been to the Midway. You know, growing up, I had uh, driven by the Midway a lot uh, because I wasn't old enough to go. But there was a time when I was about 12, I got to go to the Midway with some friends of mine, some family friends of mine who were a little bit older uh, than me. They were driving age and, and high schoolers. And so I was ex- extremely excited that I was going to finally get to go to the Midway. And so we're driving, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, as a 12-year-old kid with some older kids, I'm trying to act really cool, you know, like just, just chill. Like I'm excited, but I don't want to show that I'm too excited because that would be uncool. I'm just, I'm chill. I'm cool. Right, and so we're we're driving, we're getting there, and uh, I can remember just walking into the midway, just lights and sounds, and it's just so exciting. And uh, the the first ride that we rode uh, was that it, it kind of looks like a UFO, you know what I'm talking about? Like you you walk in, right? So we we got in line, we walked in, and you basically just stand against the wall. Anybody been on one of those? Let us know. <laughs> Throw up a like if you've been on these. So you get in there, you stand against the wall, and then it begins to spin. And as it spins and spins faster, you get to the point where you cannot move because of the G-forces keeping you at the wall. And, you know, I did okay. Like, that didn't feel great, but I was getting out of that and starting to, like, not be spun around a lot. I started to feel wheezy, so, but I had to stay cool about it, right? Like, you just had to stay Cool. So I gather myself for a couple of minutes, and then I was ready to go on to the next ride. And uh, you know those rides that look like a spider? You know, they, they've got the arms, and they, they, they bring you up and down and spin you around, and then the little thing that you sit in spins around too, so you're like spinning and spinning. It, it's just crazy, right? Like I had an idea that that would be a good idea too. So I'm already feeling a little bit wheezy, and so we get in line, and then I sit down in the chair and click, and the ride starts, right? And it starts out, and and I'm I'm good, and then an internal dialogue starts to happen as this ride progresses. And I'm just starting to tell myself, like, Brandon, this is is not good. And then the other part of me saying, like, no, man, it's cool, like, it's not going to be that long, like it's almost done. And then the other part of me is like, no, dude, this is not okay at all. This is not going to be good. And then he's like, no, nah, man. And then bleh, I puke all over myself uh, in that ride. And, and you don't know what it's like to be embarrassed until you have hundreds of people watching you walk around with your insides on your clothes. It's just not a fun experience. So uh, at that point, I was not 
able to act cool anymore. <laughs> I got a change of clothes from one of these family friends. Uh, the older kids who were cooler than me let me borrow some clothes. And, uh, you know, not to be, uh, you know, uh, Thrown the throwing this night away, like I was still ready to go and ride some more. So what do I do? I go to this ride that like I looked as if it was not very intimidating. You know the teacup thing, the the teacup ride where you get in and it spins you and you spin. And it's like a figure eight. That's why that's why I decided to ride. And uh, the internal dialogue started again. And uh, once again, I puked all over myself. And uh, that is the night that uh, I'm not excited that happened. Now, the sounds that remind me of that are the fair ride sounds, just those little little jingles. Uh, and it takes me back to those moments, right? And, and that night, that ride and those rides and that midway shook me. I was shaken, shaken to the point where I was puking all over the place. And uh, it has not, I've not ridden a, a fair ride like that since then. I just haven't, I've, I'm done. That it shook me to the point where I was just done with those kinds of rides. And, and you know, for all of us, we know that uh, it doesn't take a fair ride to shake us. Sometimes life can shake us, right? Life can have us feeling wheezy. Life can f- have us feeling unsure about what the future is like. You know, we look at news headlines and we can see that, that things are not as they should be. Uh, the news headlines can shake us. Uh, losing a loved one can shake us. Uh, dealing with relational discord can shake us. Dealing with stresses at work can shake us. Dealing with stresses at home can shake us. Dealing with the stresses of of finances can shake us. Uh, Dealing with change can shake us. Uh, dealing with a lack of control can shake us. There's a lot of things in our life that can shake us. And, uh, but but let, let, let me just ask this. What if there was a way to live that even though life happens, even though circumstances have us sometimes feeling a little bit wheezy, what if there's a way to live that even though we go through difficulty, even though we go through hardship, it doesn't shake us? What if there's a way to live that is unshakable? I believe that there is, and I believe that the psalm that we're going to look at in God's greatest playlist ever that we're going to see today is uh, the, the key and the picture of what it looks like to live an unshakable life with the unshakable God. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 16, and that's where we're going to jump into today on God's greatest playlist ever, episode two, Psalm 16. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 16. In verse one, this is what it says. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood and I will not speak their names with my lips. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. The psalmist in this, maybe, maybe David sees uh, this world and sees his circumstances as an opportunity, as a need to find refuge, to find shelter. He, he sees God as the place of protection. And, and for a lot of us, like we've lived lives that have made us believe that we don't need shelter from the storms of life. 
It seems that a lot of people in this world, especially these people, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply in verse four. The people who do not trust in God, who do not see God, and even those of us who see God and try to trust him. Sometimes we're outside uh, seeking shelter in a shed when the F5 tornado's coming. Too oftentimes we experience life and, and the circumstances shake us. Why? Not because God is not there, but because we're not seeking shelter under him and in him. The psalmist is saying, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. You are the place that I need to go because here his starting point is the place that we need to start every day with, every, every response to every circumstance with. He says this, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. He had a starting point of surrender. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. How many of us struggle with, we believe that to be true. We believe that God is our Lord. We believe that he is in charge. We believe that he's the king and that he's on the throne. But how many of us actually live like that is true? You are my Lord. In every moment and every circumstances, he is in charge. He is guiding the way. He is gonna show us what is important. He is gonna be the source of our strength. He's gonna be the source of our protection. He's gonna be the source of everything that we need. How often do we live like that? You see, the psalmist has a starting point and that starting point is surrender. And when our starting point is surrender to the God who holds everything in his hands, we can get through whatever it is that we go through. You know, the, the, one of the ways that we can navigate whether or not our starting point is actually surrender, if that's our default, like, you know, is, is to look at how we respond to times of difficulty. Some of us in times of difficulty, we, we yearn for activity. That's how we deal with difficulty is we just do more stuff. Some of us, we yearn for control. We just need to, to, to be able to have all of the things, at least to find something that we can control, that we can put in the place and, and to say, this is how this is gonna go. You know, that's why some of us, like we, we do nothing but clean in times of difficulty, which you can clean my house. It's, it's all good. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of us, we, we deal with uh, just ignoring things. We put our head in the sand and we try to ignore it. We, we grow apathetic toward our circumstances. Some of us, we start to, to shame ourselves in times of difficulty and we blame ourselves for the things that are, that are happening even though we had nothing to do with it. There's all kinds of ways that we can default in times of difficulty, but the question is, do we default to surrender in times of difficulty? And what does that look like? For me, uh, one of my struggles with, with this idea, with this topic, is when, when things get difficult, when something needs to be done, my default oftentimes is activity before it is prayer. Right? Like when, when things are happening that are seemingly outside of my control, my default is to do more things if I could just will it into existence, if I could just fix this, that's where I default to. Rather than defaulting to praying to the God who holds everything in his hands and can change things and can give me guidance in the activity that I need to be doing out of the overflow of being with him, I tend to just do activity before I pray. And maybe the same is true for you. Maybe the same is true, that, that your default is not prayer, 
Your default is not just getting, digging into God's word to, for guidance. Your default is not spending, sil- spending time in silence with your God. Maybe your default is activity or control or, or something else. Maybe it's anger. Whatever it is, we need to work through uh, surrendering our default to the God who actually can change things. You see, the psalmist saw that, that, hey, I've started with this starting point, and that is surrender. So, you are my Lord should be the chorus of the Christian. You are my Lord should be the chorus of the Christian, the thing that we go back to time and time again throughout the song of our lives. You are my Lord. You are in charge. You are going to guide me through this, and you are with me. And if you look at this, this passage, verses 1 through 3 are contrasted with verse 4 where he says in verse four, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. And that's contrasted with, with everything preceding it, especially verse three, as for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. So you have two different groups of people contrasted in this passage. The, the holy people who are the noble ones, and that word noble in Hebrew can be translated also with, uh, with, with mighty, uh, they're, they're the mighty people. They're the ones who, are, who can stand firm through whatever they go through at, as opposed to the people who uh, trust and run after other gods, their sorrows will increase. And here's the thing with us in our day and time is that the gods of our day and time are not always uh, gods of religion, but they can be gods that we make into religion as in materialism, as in uh, uh, accumulation, as in success, as in sex, as in all kinds of different things that we can elevate above God and make into a false God that we run after. And whenever we run to something or someone else, our sorrows will multiply. And you know, for me, I used to be on the other side of that. I used to be on the verse four side where my life was characterized by trying to trust in my own intellect, trying to trust in my own willpower, trying to trust in anything other than the God who made me. But because of what Jesus has done, he has made a way for those who used to be enemies of God to now be able to take refuge in God, for those who are under the wrath of God to be seeking refuge under him. That's the good news of what Jesus has done. And that's the good news of what the psalmist looked to was the fact that God is going to be with us and that he's going to deliver us. And he's making a way for those who had their sorrows be increasing to have those sorrows come into full joy in the presence of of God. And that's been my experience. I'm sure that's been a lot of your experiences too, that you used to be on the other side of God. You used to be opposed to God, but now God has brought you into his family. And now we, because of Christ, we have had the opportunity to be the noble people, the holy people in the land who are not shaken, who are not pushed away by the the winds and the waves of this world, but we are able to stand firm in the God of grace who has saved us. The psalmist goes on in verse five. He says this, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So the psalmist here is echoing uh, something from the book of Numbers where God is uh, divvying up the land for the different tribes. And he 
told the tribe of Levi that uh, they are not going to get land, but they have the, their inheritance as the Lord himself. The, the tribe of Levi was, was where the Levitical priesthood came from, and their inheritance was not, <clears throat> not a piece of land, but God himself, God's presence. And so the psalmist <clears throat> is pointing himself, pointing his own inheritance to that place. He's gone from being a refugee, seeking refuge, to now he is, he is the one who has his blessing as God himself. He holds his future. His boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. He has a beautiful inheritance. You see, God's favor for the follower of Jesus, God's favor is the, is the place where our boundary markers have been laid. So what is a boundary marker? A boundary marker was a kind of like a fence for us, right? Or maybe in your yard, you have, you have a stick or something that's sticking up out of the ground, or you just have something where you know this is where your, your property line ends and your neighbors begins. The boundary, boundary markers were where, where they would outline where their space was, where their land was, their inheritance, their place. And for the psalmist who's writing this, he has seen himself to have the inheritance as God himself, as God's blessing, as God's favor. And that's the key to living an unshakable life is to see that our blessing, everything, that, everything that's good that we have is found in the presence of God himself. The thing that we needed, the thing that was fractured in the beginning of Genesis was the presence of God, was the very essence of being able to walk with God unhindered. And what Jesus has done is he has restored that opportunity for us to be able to have our boundary marker, our inheritance being the very presence of God himself once again. You see, when you begin with trust and allegiance to the God who loves you, you can strip away everything else in this life. And what you're left with is the only good thing that we have, the source of all good things that flow from him and the source of goodness and goodness himself. And that is God. When you can start with trust in the God who made you, you have the opportunity to step into a place where you understand that God himself is the best thing that this world, that this life has to offer. Verse two, I, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. Imagine if we had that kind of mindset in our day and time today to get us through the difficulties of the moment. Like the more we walk with God, the more we realize that that is in fact true. As we walk with God, we start to realize that I have nothing good besides him. He is the source of everything that is good. And he himself is better than everything else. What if we had that kind of a mindset? What if we were able to see that our inheritance was not a, a, a 401k, was, was not a piece of land, was not an accomplishment or recognition? But what if we could see that our inheritance is God himself, his presence walking with us through each and every day. Verse seven, he continues, I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Have you had any nights like that? All of us probably have. Where, where the, the troubles of the day creep into the night. 
where everything else is silent, but our minds are racing, where everyone is resting, but we're not resting. We're not able to turn it off. For David, for the psalmist, he's had those kind of nights. But he goes back. He says, I will bless the Lord. He counsels me in the midst of that. How oftentimes do we go through a sleepless night or, or have moments where we're just wrestling with stuff and we don't bring God into the conversation? Probably many of us wrestle with that. We need to bring God into the picture because he is the great counselor. He's the best counselor. He knows what, what is on our hearts. He knows what is true and he knows what we need. For, for any of you who have gone to counseling, you know the limitations that a human counselor has, right? Like for me, <clears throat> going to counseling when I was working through a lot of uh, family difficulties and relational discord, um, that was a life-giving experience for me. But, but in order for the counselor to help me, they had to dig out of me what was actually going on, not just in the circumstances, but what was going on inside of my heart. And that there's a limitation there because you can't all, it's always hard, sometimes it's very hard to put your emotions, to put what you're feeling, to put what is going on inside of you to words, to language. And the fact is that we have the best counselor who is willing to, to meet us on those troubling nights, who is willing to meet us on the times of goodness and greatness of our lives, and to, to be able to go in and, and counsel us and guide us because he knows exactly what is going on in our hearts. He knows exactly what is on our, on our minds. He knows the source of it. He knows what we need. He knows what is true about us. And he knows what it is that we need. And the fact is that he's the only one who can give us exactly what we need because what we need is him himself. We need the God who offers us grace, who offers us his presence, who offers us his power to work through us. So the question is, do we default to that? Do we let the Lord guide me? There, there's probably been a lot of moments where we had opportunities in the last couple months, right? to let the Lord guide us. Have we always chosen that? Probably not. Have we always gone to him? Probably not. But what if our default was that? Some of us, if we were honest, like our default is, is more of activity. It's more of worry. It's more of trying to control things rather than going to the, to the God who can guide us and counsel us and get us through it and who walks with us through it. See, when you go to counseling, like they'll give you some things that you can do to work through. But it's up to you to do that. And usually the counselor's not gonna like come alongside of you and walk with you through those moments of where you have to actually make those decisions to work through it. But the God that we serve, the God that we have hope in, he's the God who not only counsels us and guides us, but he comes alongside of us and walks with us through whatever it is that we're going through. And that, my friends, is really, really good news. Because, I mean, think about it, right? Like, when you were a kid, or even today, like, when you are uh, in certain situations, the people you have with you make a difference, don't they? Like, you, if, you, if you have the person who you know is going to be able to protect you and know is bigger than their, the, the other person, like, my dad is bigger than your dad, right? Like, if growing up, if you had your dad with you and, and you just, you felt secure even in, in maybe sometimes scary places, scary moments, right? But your dad was with you or, or somebody else, like, they're with you. So then you have confidence to walk through it. 
right? When you're in school and, and there's a bully there, but you've got your friends with you, you walk with a little bit more confidence. You walk with a little bit straighter back because you have got some people with you who have your best in mind. And that is who we have with God because he walks with us through whatever the enemy throws at us, through whatever life throws at us, through whatever circumstances we deal with, he's with us. And so because we are walking with the unshakable God who is not tossed and turned by the, by the winds and the waves and the circumstances of this day, he is able to walk with us and keep us from falling over. He's able to walk with us and we have an unshakable God so that we can live an unshakable life. He goes on in verse nine, he says this, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. Isn't that a good picture? Therefore, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, and my body rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. There's so much good stuff there. There's so much good stuff there. But what I want to do is to bring in an in-studio guest to the set right now to kind of unpack a little bit of what this passage is saying and from the perspective of the New Testament. So if you would, with me, welcome our student pastor, Taylor Thompson. Dude, no one's here. It's just cameras. Oh, okay. Okay, well, good to see you. Welcome, see welcome. You. <laughs> Taylor, Welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a longtime watcher, a first time guest, so it's All great right. to be in the studio today. Uh, but no, hey, I am, I'm so excited to jump into this text, uh, verse, verses nine through eleven. And um, you know, you you read the first word is therefore, and mm. you know, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is the therefore therefore? And so, uh, good stuff. You know, just exactly what you've already said, you know, just talking about situations in our lives where we don't feel safe or we feel worried or we're going through a struggle or we've got a burden on us that, that we just can't get off. You know, when we, when we acknowledge who God is and who we are uh, and the power that God has, he brings the sense of security that's talked about in this verse and he brings the, uh, the counsel and the wisdom and the guidance and the boundaries. And so therefore, my heart is glad. I feel joy. When, when God shows up in a situation, I feel joy. And, and one of the coolest things, you know, I think in, like you can see in Scripture is how it all weaves together mm -hmm. for one, one specific purpose. Uh, this specific text right here is actually, I mean, it is, it is how David's feeling. It's his personal journal. But it's also referencing something from First Samuel, a conversation where a guy named Nathan and Samuel are talking uh, about this exact same thing. Uh, therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices. And then it goes on and it says, because you will not abandon me to the grave. You won't let my holy one see decay. It goes on. And even in the New Testament, we see this exact same text show up. Uh, if I can find it. Acts chapter two. Uh, this, is, this is, it actually even exactly quotes verses nine through 11. It says, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, which is quoting verse 10. It just continues to quote it. And it says, brothers, I can tell you confidently, David died, he was buried, and his tomb is still here today. He was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Mm -hmm. 
seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. And so all of scripture has weaves together one purpose and it's Jesus and his love for us. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, one of the coolest things I think, how long have you been married for? It'd be 10 years in October. 10 years. Yeah. So I just imagine in October, you, you on, your, on your anniversary, you show up with your wife's favorite flower, which is what? Putting you on the spot here. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, maybe a lily? Lily. She's, she's not big into flowers. She's more big into chocolate. Chocolate. Okay, okay so yeah. you, you show up with her, her Ladies, favorite. if you're big into chocolate, throw a like or a love in the, in the chat. <laughs> yeah, so 10-year anniversary October, you show up with her favorite chocolate, mm. right? And you... Uh, I'm you, hashtag winning at that yes, point. Yes, you, you knock on your door and she opens it and, yes. and she you know, her, oh, covers her face, oh my goodness. And you say, sweetie, I want to take you out to your favorite restaurant. Nothing would make me happier than to celebrate today with you. I'm going to start taking notes on this. <laughs> this is a good idea. <laughs> she's not going to respond with, wow, you only care about yourself. You, mm. only, you only want what's best for you. Right. Oh, that would make you happy, I'm sure, right? <laughs> uh, no, that's not how she would respond. What she would, I mean, I'm sure she would, yeah. her mind would be blown and she'd be so excited to spend the day with you. For sure. and, and this text right here where he's going to God with with the struggle that he's facing. And he's saying, God, I, you are Lord, you are in control. God's not having a conversation with the Holy Spirit saying, oh, here we go, David needs help again. Right. But when we go to God with our, with our problems and with our struggles, God is, God is beyond happy and he is so excited when we go to him mm-hmm. in times, of, in times of, of struggle and fear and worry. And so I just wanna challenge you guys that, that if, you, if you're struggling with something, a lot of times our response, like what Brandon said, is to just dig our hole deeper and, and we keep trying to find answers in ourselves, but ultimately without Christ, there's no hope. And so I just want to challenge you guys to spend some time with God this week about whatever you're going through because he's the ultimate answer. Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on the show. And it's good stuff, Taylor. Yes, good Thanks, to see man. you. Yes. Appreciate it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Thompson. Church, we are so blessed. That was so good. I hope that encourages you. And, and as we move forward, like just in verses nine through 11, what we can see is because, because of what Jesus has done, because of his sacrifice, because of the fact that he came to earth and died the death that we deserved so that we could have life for eternity, our hearts can be glad because of the fact that he did not stay in the grave, because of the fact that he rose again, because of the fact that he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, our whole being rejoices, right? And because of the fact that we know that God is in control, that God's power goes before us, we can rest securely. Our bodies can rest securely because of the fact that Jesus's body did not decay and stay in the grave, we know that one day we will be resurrected because when we die, we will not stay dead. Because of that, we have hope. Because of the fact that Jesus has gone before us and has shown us the way of life, the way of truth, the way to the Father, we know that the path of life that he talks about here in Psalm 16, verse 11, you reveal the path of life to me. We know that the path of life is paved with the presence of Jesus. Because we walk and follow him, because he is with us today, because of his presence, we will not be shaken. 
When we truly can trust the fact that God is going before us, that God is with us, we don't have to be shaken. Even though we go through difficulty, even though we are dealing with news headlines that scare us, news headlines that show our divisiveness, news headlines that are just full of negativity, because we go through uh, difficulty at home or at work, even though we go through those things, we don't have to be shaken by them. The thing with the Christian life is that yes, we will go through sadness. We will deal with mourning. We will deal with lament. There will be times when we go to God and we say, God, what is wrong? What is going on? Where are you? How long will you take to deal with this? There will be those times. And maybe for a lot of us, because of our relationship with Jesus, those times even increase because of the fact that we're on the path of life and we see so many people out there who are not trusting in him, who are, who are being shaken by those relational struggles, who are being shaken by those lack of control, by change itself, by the, the, the tossing of their circumstances. We, we, we yearn for them to see the truth. We have compassion on them. Because we see people who have no hope, who put their hope in other things, we do have sadness, we do have lament, we do see injustice in our world. And because of the fact that we know that there is something better that God has out there for us, because we know that he has a better way of doing things, that does give us an awareness of the, the, the brokenness of our world. And that does increase sometimes our sadness and our lament and just the feelings of down, like being down. But at the very same time, life with the unshakable God opens up a pathway for us to experience unshakable joy. Here's what I want you to remember, church. Life with the unshakable God makes you unshakably joyful. Life with the unshakable God makes you unshakably joyful. Joy is not something where you just are happy-go-lucky all the time. You always have a smile on your face, but it's, the, it's this emanating sense of, of the fact that God is with you, that God loves you, that God has it all control, and that he's working all things out for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This is what joy looks like. It's where we can experience difficulty in this life, where we can experience pain, but we know that God is with us through it, and we know that he is doing something in us through it. Like for a lot of us, we've gone through difficult moments and because we went through, through those difficult moments, we came out the other side stronger. And because we have hope in God, we know that our hope does not stop at the end of this life, but it goes into eternity. And it's sure and secure because the grave is still empty. Because of the fact the grave is still empty, we have hope for eternity. Life with the unshakable God makes you unshakably joyful. Imagine what a life would look like, what your life would look like if you were able to more and more and more default to surrendering to God, to default to praying to God, to default to trusting him. Like just imagine verse 11 being the reality of our lives. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. We follow the God who came down, who gave his life for us so that we could have life, who defeated sin, who defeated death, and is now seated in the throne room of heavenly glory. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And because of him, we have the sure hope 
of eternal pleasure, of eternal bliss, of eternal hope. Because of what he done, we have the opportunity to enjoy his presence forever. So the question is, are you at a place where you can confidently say, I've surrendered to Jesus. I've surrendered to him as the king of my life. He is, he is my hope. He is the source of goodness. He is everything that is good to me. Have you surrendered your whole plan to him, your whole purpose to him, your whole being to him? Have you done that? Because when you do, your heart rejoices, your heart is glad, your whole being rejoices in him and your body is able to rest securely. Even, you, even though you go through difficulty, you have hope for eternity when you do that. So if you haven't done that yet, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to follow Jesus reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you because he is calling you. He wants more for you. He wants to do more in you. He wants you to experience more joy in your life right now. Not just for heaven one day, but right now, abundant life in him. And for those of us who are following Jesus already, who have surrendered our lives to him, I think that the most simplest way we can respond to this psalm is to lean into God's presence more, to pray more to him, to lean on him more and to trust him more. So maybe this week, as you're going through whatever it is you're gonna go through, default to prayer, make it a point, not just in the morning before your day goes, but in the midst of going through whatever it is that you go through, remind yourself that life with the unshakable God makes you unshakably joyful. Remind yourself that he's with you in those moments, he's not just with you in your quiet time in the morning, but he's with you at all times. And you can go to him anytime. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your presence, for your hope, and for the fact that you are calling us to lean on you through everything. God, help us to, to let go of our sense of control and put it in your hands. God, help us to, to let go of whatever it is that's uh, worrying us and to give it to you. God, help us to, to be able to walk along the path of life that Jesus has paved, uh, the path of sacrifice, the path of love, the path of compassion, the path of life. God, help us to, to see that you are with us every moment of every day. Holy Spirit, would you uh, just make your presence known in us, encourage us, nudge us throughout our week to be able to do what it is that you're calling us to do, to be able to rest in your presence each and every day. God, we thank you so much for your hope that you have given to us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, again, we've now read and heard Psalm 16, and now we are going to sing Psalm 16 with WFCC's worship team here in studio. Let's do that. Let's sing together Psalm 16. Preserve me, O oh God, for I find rest in you alone. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. All sons and daughters, Brothers, sisters, my delight 
would sing together. No other God shall satisfy. God, you satisfy. In your presence, there is for 